Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And this time on the News Vault podcast, we dig back to 1961 to find a gem featuring a man who truly wore many hats in his many years in the Bay Area spotlight. His name was Scott Beach. He was indeed a well-known radio personality in the Bay Area, had a rich, distinctive voice, reminded some people of Orson Welles, and that was part of the charm. But Scott Beach was also a terrific writer, had a sharp ear for the language. He was at various times, and sometimes all at the same time, an opera singer, a maker of musical instruments, a stage director, a film and theater actor, and always a man about town. For example, in the 1963 time frame, Scott Beach was one of the people who formed the committee, some other actors and comedians. The committee was an improvisational comic theater group that became a very big thing in mid-60s San Francisco. Did a lot of voiceover work for film and TV. He was a particular favorite of George Lucas. He had speaking roles, on-screen roles, in The Right Stuff, American Graffiti, Mrs. Doubtfire, and some other films you would know if you heard the names. And if you remember the old Renaissance Pleasure Fair in Marin County, well, Scott Beach was there, too, with that booming voice and great physical presence. He played the role of Lord Mayor. Scott Beach passed away in 1996, leaving behind quite a legacy. So let's take you to May 31st of 1961. Beach had been at KCBS for about a year. This was many years before the station converted to the all-news format, but still did a great deal of news and informational programming. In this episode of something called the News Conference, he's interviewing Jack London. Not that Jack London, but an expert from Cal. UC Berkeley professor Jack London was an expert in the area of adult education. What I found interesting about the format of this broadcast was that uh, unlike what we think of today as a news conference where a newsmaker stands up and is asked questions by the assembled reporters. This was a broadcast controlled by the interviewer with an interviewee, but listeners could participate by submitting questions while the studio host conducted the live interview. So listen to May 31st, 1961, the KCBS News Conference with Scott Beach. Larry Lesseur and Bob Gurner for the news from CBS and the KCBS News Bureau. This is Scott Beach at your service at 74 with another news conference and another interesting news conference guest. It's 10 minutes past 3, and today our guest is Dr. Jack London, Associate Professor of Adult Education at the University of California in Berkeley. And Dr. London is here to talk with us today about the need for continuing education beyond just the years of grade school, high school, and even college, and to talk about the problems of bringing about this continuing education, and uh, also some of the techniques. 
If you have questions for Dr. London, as you know, you can be a reporter on our news conference by dialing Yukon 27012 with your questions for our guest of the day. Yukon 27012. Miss Willis will take your call and pass the question along to me to ask of our guest. Now, from time to time, our lines do get rather busy, so if you have trouble getting through to us, just dial again, Yukon 27012, and we'll be uh, doing our very best to get your question on the air. I want to remind you, by the way, that tomorrow our guest will be Mrs. Catherine Clark of the Brownbury Ovens, and a very successful and interesting businesswoman talking about women in business. And now, as always, we combine our greeting to our guest of the day with the first question. Dr. Jack London, I want to thank you very much for being here. I asked Dr. London before the show if he was any kin, and he said, nope, but he has a son named Jack, and he's going to confuse everybody. I know there's a square named after you in... Oakland, sir, and uh, you've written any number of books. I intend to believe that you are Jack London himself for a while, until I learn otherwise. In any case, Dr. London, welcome indeed to News Conference, and I'd like to ask you first, um, now your specialty is adult education. Uh, how serious is the need for adult education? Particularly since uh, World War II, there has been evidence in this country a tremendous change in technological development and new knowledge being developed and no longer can a individual go through school no matter how far he goes and rely on what he's learned in the 30 40 50 years that he will live subsequently and consequently at the present time there's a greater need for continuing learning than we've ever experienced before in the history of our country in fact, I often say that the real secret uh, weapon of the Soviet Union has been their overwhelming commitment to support of adult education. Well, where do those people, uh, the, the greatest number of adults, where have they cut off their original education, that is, their formal school and so forth? Well, now the average population in the 1960 census was about 11 and a half years of schooling which means there are as many le with less schooling as there are at that, that's the average. Eleven and a half wouldn't get you through uh, high school, would it? No, just under a high school diploma. Now, on the other hand, an increasing number of uh, young people are going to college. The colleges are bursting, and they estimate that within ten years we may have as many as 70% of the people ages 18 to 22 in college. As well, of course, isn't it true that the requirements for many of the jobs that do come open nowadays require more and more education? Yes, and an example of this is, is the many young people who drop out of school to find jobs and get married and then discover that they're limited by the kind of job they can get, and they come back to a night school to get their high school diploma, and many of them get caught up and continue on to take college work. But they take it at a level of interest and commitment and motivation that they never exhibited before when they were going to day school. Dial Yukon 27012 with your questions for our guest of the day, Dr. Jack London, Associate Professor of Adult Education at the University of California. Dr. London will be uh, taking your questions throughout our news conference today, and if you'll just dial Yukon 27012, we'll pass your question along to him. It's 15 minutes after 3 o'clock. May is National Radio Month. Radio goes everywhere these days, 
From the supermarket to the beach, thousands of people enjoy the radio while they work. Here's what a Vallejo listener told us. My name is Ron Cardone, and I live in Vallejo, California. And so I listen quite a bit to Music Till Dawn program in the evening with Ken Ackerman. I'm also very interested and listen quite a bit to your general public interest public debate program. Uh, I find these very interesting, and I think more radio stations ought to do this. Mainly, of course, I listen every night to Music Till Dawn as I'm here at work most of the time in late evenings. Thank you, Ron. Music Till Dawn keeps many people company, whether they're at work or just relaxing. For fine classical music all night, every night but Sunday, it's Ken Ackerman with Music Till Dawn, beginning at 11.30 on 74 KCBS. Questions are coming in now from listeners, and if you want to get through to us, our lines are open right now, and usually later in the program they get pretty sick. So the lines are open, and if you'll dial right now, Yukon 27012, I'm sure that you can get through to us without any problem. Let's take a couple of the questions that have come to us so far. Mrs. Ross of Santa Rosa has asked, why are some people eager to learn and others not? One of the great problems uh, is the tremendous fear of learning that develops among adults. In our society, there, and in most societies, there is a conception that learning is primarily for the young. And all of our energies are devoted to providing systematic ways of providing that experience. On the other hand, an exciting teacher, someone who stimulates an interest, often gets a person uh, interested in learning. In too many instances, we think that learning is dull, uninteresting. But I think that all we have to do is look at the people who are excited, who are specialists, who are professionals in the field of study, and how excited and caught up they can become in a field of study. And we must realize that there isn't anything necessarily dull about learning, except if it's presented ineffectively. And many people have never begun to realize the tremendous enthusiasm and development and growth that they can experience through learning. Well, Dr. London, do you ever come across the problem of pride? That is, someone not wanting to admit, in a sense, by signing up for an adult education class that he ain't got smart. Yes, this is a very important problem. And the human beings develop a whole series of defense mechanisms to protect their self-esteem and self-respect so they're not thrown into situations where their ignorance may be revealed or they may uh, suddenly discover that they don't know as much as they would like to think they know. And they're, they're afraid to try something because they, they have a feeling that they may fail at it. I remember in uh, The Importance of Being Earnest, Oscar Wilde has a great line. Lady Bracknell says, Ignorance is a delicate, exotic fruit. Touch it and the bloom is gone. <laughs> Question now from Mrs. Lombardi. Is that right, dear? Of Palo Alto. By the way, you too can ask us questions here, or rather ask Dr. London questions here on our session by dialing Yukon 27012, and Elaine will take your question and pass it along to me. Mrs. Lombardi of Palo Alto asks, how can you account for a college graduate earning less than a non-college graduate? Part of this problem is a kind of value system we have in our society in terms of the uh, what jobs... A, 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 attract the most money. I think there's no one-to-one -one relationship between the amount of education and how much money you earn. While some of us think that there should be, I, I don't think we can realistically ever expect this to happen. 
and in many instances, we often and too many times think of education only in terms of how much money it can earn for us, rather than we should also realize that not only will it enable us to get better jobs, but it will enable us to realize ourselves, become more effective individuals in our personal life, in our civic life, in our work situation. All right, thank you very much. It's 19 minutes after 3 o'clock. Another question now. Our news conference, which has come into Yukon 27012, is from Mrs. Ralston of San Francisco. And she asks, is it possible to obtain a, dec a degree, <laughs> a decree is something else again, is it possible to obtain a degree from the University of California Extension through correspondence courses? No. This is one, in my personal opinion, one of the distressing facts that to a large extent, except for six or eight units of credit, the university will not give any credit for correspondence. In contrast to many great European universities who enable you to go through college entirely by correspondence. This is one of the great uh, sources of adult education in the Soviet Union as well. Um, now how many people, uh, do you have any statistics uh, as to how many people are now enjoying the educational benefits of the extension system in California? I, I believe last year, university extension alone served approximately 300,000 adults. 300,000? Throughout the state. Many of whom are preparing degrees, I suppose. Yes, and of course, many of them at the postgraduate level. Increasingly, it's becoming apparent that professional occupations require continuing, continuing learning. And they have a statewide program on continuing education for the bar. Medicine has a continuing education program. Engineering is changing very rapidly. And the engineers who are prepared, were prepared a decade ago have to return for additional learning. Sort of like what the teaching profession calls in-service training. Huh? Yes. And this is spreading all, all through our professional occupation. I see. All right. It's 21 minutes now after 3 o'clock. We'll continue with questions here at UConn 27012 right after this. <laughs> Do you, in fact, hail this uh, request of his? Yes. Uh, 
It's a very interesting thing. This is a four-year program of which $100 million would be for the first year where they provide opportunities for people who are unemployed and those who have less skill to secure additional training while being paid uh, up to 40 or $45 a week. Now, President Kennedy uh, read the, uh, a request to Congress last Monday, and his request was really based upon the realization that many of the unemployed have less education, less skills, are less able to secure jobs because they're limited uh, learning. And that if we could, and at the same time, a realization that there are many jobs that are going unfilled because of lack of skilled people. Also, isn't it true that your problem is going to be magnified over and over again by automation and taking out of the unskilled laborers? For example, uh, to illustrate this point, the whole character of the labor force has changed. In the past 10 years, particularly, when we realize that the unskilled jobs are decreasing and the technical jobs and professional jobs are increasing at a very rapid rate so that automation now is displacing the unskilled worker the semi-skilled worker and is employing the technically trained and professionally trained worker which means that increasingly a person just to get a job is going to require more education thank you we'll be getting now it's 20 five minutes after three o'clock. We'll be getting to more of the questions from listeners. Elaine is taking them down now, and you can dial right now at Yukon 27012 and have a good chance of getting through. Uh, another question that interests me, obviously this, oh, this whole area of saying we're going to expand, or try to expand at least, programs of adult education or continued education, does this require of you the building of extra specialized facilities? Or, or do you think right now there exist enough facilities to undertake a, a, a concentrated program of adult education? One wonderful thing about adult education is that they estimate that in the public schools it takes about one and a half percent of the total education bud budget to run an effective adult education program. Because essentially they use the same buildings, the same school facilities, and there's no need to build new facilities. The unfortunate thing is that in many instances they build elementary schools with very small seats that are totally inadequate for adults. So we find many school buildings that remain dark at night when they should be open and lit and they should be providing opportunities for adults securing additional education in a variety of areas of oh. their interest. Aren't you in fact though trying to break down the walls of the formal school building to kind of make the whole country a school? Yes, what I, my hope is that we will become a nation learning together and that if we're going to survive in the Cold War and the perilous period ahead, increasing numbers of our people are going to have to continue learning at a level that they've never experienced in the past. Thirty years ago, a person could go through school and learn enough to keep them going for the rest of his life. This is no longer possible. A person graduates college at the highest level and he has to return for learning. And an interesting thing about adult education is that the people who are most apt to return for learning are those with the greatest amount of education. So that education seems to beget education. It's like a disease or something. That's right. <laughs> it's 27 minutes now after 3 o'clock, and we'll continue with a question from Mrs. Haas of San Francisco right after this. 
Vacation in your own backyard with handsome lawn furniture of Alcoa Aluminum. It moves lightly, lives outdoors all season, never needs maintenance. See the wide assortment of stylish pressed wheel lawn furniture made of Alcoa Aluminum at your nearby pressed wheel dealers. Look for the Alcoa carefree tag because living is fun with Alcoa Aluminum. Our number here at News Conference is Yukon 27012. Which number Mrs. Haas dialed, Mrs. Haas of San Francisco, and she asks this question. Is it too late for a woman of 46 to study nursing? No. In, in many of the, in, in many of the uh, nursing programs, there are women in their 40s. Some of the practical nursing programs are available for women to pursue additional learning. The interesting thing is that in today's world, a woman at 40 can expect to live at least 40 more years, so her career isn't limited. In 1900, the average person lived to the age of 46. Today, varying degrees, they live to the age of 72 or 73. So people are living longer, and women in their 40s can look forward to a long career. Mrs. And nursing is spring chicken. Nursing is a very fruitful and important occupation. Indeed it is. It's 28 minutes now after 3 o'clock at KCBS and KCBS-FM in San Francisco. Scott Beach at your service talking with Dr. Jack London. Dial Yukon 27012 with your questions. Mr. Kern of San Francisco has asked, what do you do to get back into junior high school or senior high school? As an adult in San Francisco, there are there is a day adult school that provides opportunities for people to secure elementary and secondary education. There are five adult schools in the city of San Francisco where people can secure, if they need an elementary education, a diploma, or a secondary diploma, a high school diploma. Here's a question that seems to me right up your alley. Joe Geist of Piedmont wants to know why people think that learning is just for the young. Well, this is the unfortunate thing, and in many instances, this is part of our whole problem. In the past, people could learn in school, and this would take care of them for the rest of their lifetime. And somehow we never realized that learning was a lifetime endeavor, and now as we're living longer, we still feel that education is for the young. But with, but we've totally failed to recognize that the world is changing very rapidly, and that people have to learn at all ages. And one of the most tragic experiences is to see older adults, people in their 65s, 70s, 80s, who live as vegetables, who have stopped learning, stopped living, stopped creating. I heard a very interesting uh, a talk once where a psychiatrist speculated that the people who became senile were those who stopped learning years before and were living as vegetables and weren't keeping active. I remember uh, a professor in Minnesota who said that uh, his approach to education was a means of beating the rap of getting to age 65 or 70 with nothing in your head. <laughs> and perhaps that's a good way of looking at it. And of course, the great problem with the aged is that if you start uh, keep learning all of your life, you never lose the ability to learn. It's only as you've 
stop you, uh, uh, learning, and like any other muscle, it deteriorates over time. And if you decide at the age of 60 or 70 to start learning if you haven't done it for 40 years, it may be difficult or impossible. All right, I'm going to keep the lines open now for just about five or six more minutes because we have such a lot of calls uh, stacked up here that we may not get to them all, and I don't want anyone to be disappointed. So for the next few minutes, you can continue to dial Yukon 27012 with your questions for our guest of the day, Dr. Jack London. We'll pass them along to him here on News Conference. Why does Pell taste so good, good, good? Because Pell famous length of fine, good-tasting tobacco travels and gentles the smoke naturally, makes it mild, but does not filter out that satisfying flavor. Pell is never too strong, never too weak, always just right. Taste Pell so good, 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 good looking, good Yes, Pell travels and gentles the smoke naturally over, under, around, and through Pell fine, mellow tobaccos, the finest quality money can buy. Taste Pell Mel. So good, good, good. Good looking, good tasting, good smoking. Pell Enjoy satisfying flavors so friendly to your taste. Buy Pell famous cigarettes. Outstanding. And they are mild. Such stentorian voices. Mrs. Mulkey of Oakland has dialed us at Yukon 27012 here on News Conference to ask this question of Dr. Jack London. What can be done to help a nine-year-old boy who has the IQ of an adult and is in the sixth grade? I think the important thing is forget about the IQ and give him a, a stimulating, exciting intellectual experience. I think in too many instances we become so enamored and concerned about the IQ that we forget and lose sight of the human beings we're working with. And the IQ never says much about the potential that exists in people. I'd like to point out that many people with low IQs do fantastically wonderful things in education and in the work world. And that very often we use the IQ to stymie people, to limit people. I'm constantly amazed at the tremendous potential that exists in people that's limited by their own self-image and own limitations they place upon themselves. And I'm saying this about people at all ages, whether the child of nine with an, an adult IQ, whatever that is, or a, an adult at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70. One of the most exciting adults I've met was a man who came, visited me from Germany. He was 72, and he was as mentally alert as anybody, any student I've ever had. And he's interested in learning, and he's the ma kind of a man who, if he were 72 or 92, would be continuing to learn. What do you answer to people who say, but after all, I work eight hours every day, I've got kids to take care of, I've got my house to take care of, I have so many problems and projects, I belong to this, that, and the other thing, where am I going to get the time to study anything? I think it all depends on your interest. If a person is interested in studying and learning, he will rearrange his uh, time so that he will be able to do it. I think a mistake that many people make is that they go all the way and try and uh, tackle too much. For example, I would strongly urge people if they would like to begin learning, whether they start reading a book systematically or taking one course, and gradually get into the business of learning and doing it systematically, 
acquiring some success which will further enhance their ability to learn. All right, now a question from Mrs. Demetric of Piedmont. How do you propose that we handle this great need to improve our education? This is the real $64 question. 64000 nowadays, that's the fashionable. Well, I, I'm deflating it. <laughs> I think in a large, to a large extent, I think our total society has to be committed to the importance of learning at every level of the population, at all ages. It's just fantastic the low amount of gross national product income that we devote to education. And that we as a people are much more interested in races and spectator activities and beer and all kinds and material goods and the second TV and the second car. And we're less concerned about the kinds of activities that will improve our mind. I would say that a family that's concerned about the education of their children, for one, should themselves be concerned about their own education. And as they become involved in learning, the problems that their children will, uh, will experience will vanish into insignificance because they will have created the environment, the climate within the home, that will enhance the importance of learning. I think many homes that don't put a high value on learning often find this expressed in the low value of learning in their children. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask now that the line be cut off so that uh, those people who have called us so far can uh, have their questions honored and uh, nobody else will be kept waiting. And while we uh, wait, we'll be asking a uh, question from Mrs. Gerstock here in just a minute. Uh, this, this comment I wanted to make to you, by the way, because uh, we're very excited about it. We're approaching a sellout on our second KCBS tour of 1961. The regular quota on Don Mosley's tour of the Far East was sold out a few days ago. However, six additional seats have been made available for this tour. Now, when these six are sold, we will be unable to obtain any more. Don Mosley's tour leaves September 30th for five glorious weeks in Japan, Hong Kong, Thailand, Cambodia, Malaya, Penang Island, Singapore, the Philippines, and Honolulu. And the special KCBS tour price is $1,999, including jet transportation, all meals, all hotels, all guide service, all normal tips, in fact, just about everything you'll need. Dave McElhatton's tour of Europe has been sold out for some time. However, we can still take reservations for friendly Clyde's tour of the Hawaiian Islands in August. Going to Honolulu, Waikiki, Mount Tantalus, Pearl Harbor, and trips to the other islands for those who want to see it all. Twelve days in Hawaii, August 5th to the 16th. For details on these fine KCBS tours, simply drop a card or a letter telling us which trip interests you. Address KCBS Tours, KCBS San Francisco 5. That's KCBS Tours, KCBS San Francisco 5. Coming up at 3.55 on CBS and KCBS Personal Story from the network, followed at 4 o'clock by the news, and uh, both CBS and KCBS keeping you right up to date on the march of events. Then Bill Weaver, of course, continues with At Your Service until 5 o'clock. Now at Lake Tahoe, the show in Harris' big, beautiful South Shore room currently stars Jimmy Durante. Yes, Jimmy Durante, Eddie Jackson, Sonny King, and all the gang, plus the Dorothy Dorbin singers and dancers and Leighton Nobles Orchestra, all appearing right now in Harris' big, beautiful South Shore room. Also at Lake Tahoe, currently featured in Harrah's State Line Lounge, is the exciting Martin Denny Group. And now a special announcement about Harrah's TWA Starflight to Lake Tahoe. 
The big TWA four-engine constellation now leaves San Francisco at 6.45 p.m. That's 6.45 every evening except Saturday. You'll enjoy a full evening of fun at Harrah's and then back to San Francisco, arriving at 6.45 the next morning. The low, low cost of Harrah's Starflight will surprise you. Call Sutter 12771 or your travel agent now for reservations to Lake Tahoe aboard Harrah's TWA Starflight. The number to call is Sutter 12771. Dr. London, the question from Mrs. Gersbach of San Francisco is, what is a finishing school? A finishing school is largely a preparation for college or to provide some of the uh, uh, etiquette, manners uh, that enable a young woman to uh, enter into society accustomed to her class. Not necessarily involved with your work. No. Question from Norman Rao of Berkeley, and there are one or two questions on this subject, and I had one, so we'll combine them all. His question is, what are the chances of university classes being televised in the near future, not necessarily with credit? And my question was, in general, too, uh, what uh, do you envisage to be the future of our industry, broadcasting, television, and so on, in education? Getting to the university, there's an increasing amount of uh, attention being played to television, and they now have developed some facilities for the uh, televising of classes on campus. I suppose the greatest uh, limitation would be the amount of money. As far as television generally, I think it's a very exciting possibility, and with the change in the administration of FCC, I would look for an increasing amount of attention paid nationally to educational TV. I think educational TV will not replace the teacher, but it will provide excellent teaching at a high level for many people who cannot enter into classroom situations, and it will be very important to supplement teaching. For example, there are many courses that are not available in some of the smaller schools that can be available to students to educational TV. And in radio also, there's a very exciting uh, possibility. For example, the Canadian Radio Forum is a system of radio discussion groups where uh, numbers of people come together in private homes to discuss issues and problems as a result of hearing a radio broadcast. And they telephone in questions, much like this program. And this has had tremendous impact all over Canada. I'd like to put my oar in, by the way, for some of the special CBS documentary programs that have been coming down the pike recently. These certainly are as good a current events show as you're going to hear, it seems to me. That's right. I heard one on, uh, on the uh, gerrymandering and another on the Rules Committee, which were as good educational broadcasts that I've ever seen on those subjects. All right. A question now from Mrs. D'Augustini of San Francisco. Do you give aptitude tests, and if so, where are they given in San Francisco? The San Francisco Adult School has a counseling center that provides all kinds of aptitude and intelligence tests and counseling. All right, question from Mrs. Geranic, is that right, Elaine, of Novato. What importance do you place on graduating from the eighth grade? a great deal of importance in terms of the tremendous sense of achievement that a person develops. And always a graduation from the eighth grade always means that this is one step forward to continuing learning. And this will vary. I think that we can't underestimate the 
the importance of self-esteem and self-respect that a person develops from such an achievement. Let's take another question now from Mrs. Palladini of Lodi, phoned into Dr. Jack London of the University of California Department of Adult Education. What do you think of parent education courses on how to handle the problems of preschool children? Shouldn't there be more courses for other age levels? I think there should be, and I think that the great limitation on the amount of offerings is by the limited amount of support for parent education classes. But it's an interesting thing. Our whole family structure has changed, which is no longer is the, the mother and the grandparents around as they were in the old days to help the young mother learn how to handle her children. And as a result, with this whole change of character of the family has come the need for parent education. Now, whatever courses are offered are limited by the amount of funds that are available to the public schools to offer these courses. Question from Mrs. Merrill of Oakland for Dr. London. Do you have consultation hours? During the regular semester, I do. Uh, that wouldn't be during the summer no. uh, session. And... Uh, I suppose one calls the University of California and asks for your office to set that up or write to you. We'll take a question from Mrs. Tysinger. Is that right? Tysinger? Not Tysinger. Tysinger of San Francisco in a minute from now. Just off the press, the most valuable stamp catalog ever published. Look, what a book. 132 colorful pages. It's the new S&H Green Stamp Idea Book in the convenient new size. It's a colorful wonderland of gifts for women who earn the best values with America's most valuable stamps. 27 million parts, 50 women. Parts, 50 women. Earn the best, yes, earn the best with S&H Green Stamps. Start shopping at the fine stores that give S&H Green Stamps. You'll save money on low, low prices. And you'll save again with S&H Green Stamps. On top of that, you'll get your free copy of the new S&H Green Stamp Idea Book. With S&H, you actually get more gifts for fewer stamps. S&H offers more national name brand gifts than any other stamp plan. Over 1,700 gifts in all. Get your free copy of the new S&H Green Stamp Idea Book at stores that give S&H Green Stamps. Now a question for Mrs. Tysinger, or from Mrs. Tysinger of San Francisco for you, Dr. London. Must you take an examination to qualify for high school courses in adult education? No. Any person can enroll for adult education courses leading toward a high school diploma. And uh, no formalities or just... No your... formalities. You sign up and they counsel you to make certain you're in the right program at the proper level. And there may be examinations to complete the course, but not to enroll in the course. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Wright of San Bruno asks, How do you obtain information about University of California Extension courses for college level? I suggest you write to the University of California Extension Division, Berkeley for California. University of California Extension Division, Berkeley for California. And they'll tell you whatever you want to know, huh? All right, a question from Mrs. Barnett of Orinda. What courses would you suggest for a woman in her late 40s just for the, in quotes, pleasure of learning? Probably the most important area might be in the whole area of liberal education. There may be a course in history, in anthropology, in race relations, in public affairs of various kinds. I suggest that she might get a catalog from University Extension 
or from the local adult school in her area that would give her some guidance. All right. Question now from Mrs. Dost. Is that right? Dost of, of Albany. What can be done for the... And I'm sure this is a question any number of the ladies at home listening are asking themselves. What can be done for the average housewife and mother interested in adult education courses? In most instances, this requires that she be, be interested in taking the initiative to go down and enroll in a course, either in the evening or in the day school. Now, don't you think, by the way, as far as Mrs. Doss and the people like her are concerned, that advances in television and so forth and in radio will be of tremendous value? Yes, but I think that we have to see the total picture that not only radio and television, but face-to-face instruction in residence situations and correspondence are possibilities. And I think that we can't say that one is more important than the other. We have to look at them all as a, a total package. Are there any... Uh, uh, I, I hope you don't take this question amiss, but uh, it's possible, I think, for there to be kind of a faddist approach to uh, education. For example, not long ago, because of uh, quiz scandals and so forth, before the scandals came out, it became the fashionable thing to know a whole bunch of disconnected facts, like where the Bosporus is and uh, what is the main quality of a detergent, and um, these things may or may not actually contribute to knowledge, but when you say, in general, we have to expand and increase education and the awareness of the need for it, uh, are you pleading guilty to going along with any of these fads? If the fad of uh, rapid social change, technological development, the whole character of the change of our society, if this is a fad... I would suspect that uh, uh, our total life might be. I think that my suggestion that unless we continue to learn, unless our, work, our society becomes a, a nation learning together, we're just not going to keep up with the rapid change that we're living through at the present time. We'll take a question from Mrs. Blagy of San Francisco in just about 30 seconds from right now. You barbecue beans from the Campbell folk, nothing like them ever before. There's three kinds of beans in barbecue sauce, get them now at your favorite store. Sunny California pink, luscious great northerns, and tender baby limes. Blend it all together in tangy mild tomato barbecue sauce. Campbell makes them, and that makes them good. New, new barbecue, new Campbell's barbecue beans. Thanks to the Campbells and also thanks to the Blagies for this question. Mrs. Blagie of San Francisco, has a law been passed on whether business education courses will be classified as academic and how will this affect teachers majoring in business education? I don't know uh, the answer to that question. Apparently, uh, some business courses have not given proper or, or the academic credit she's been looking for or something of that kind. Mrs. Blagie, uh, perhaps you can write... Uh, where could she write for information the on that? The State Department of Education in Sacramento, the Department of Business Education. All right, fine. Now, in general, Dr. London, uh, well, let's, let's, uh, I've asked this question of people on different subjects, so I'll, I'll ask it of you and see what happens. Supposing you were suddenly granted absolute power to rule by decree, what would be, in order to achieve your high goals, what would be the first decree you would make? <laughs> On the area of education, I think that I would uh, increase the kind of commitment in terms of the mass media, radio, the schools, the commitment to the importance of learning. 
I would no longer make it necessary for adult education programs to limp along. For example, the university extension program is self-supporting to the extent of 92% of its total bu budget, which means that it has to charge high fees to adults and pri prices many adults out of the market. Now, University of Wisconsin supports its extension program up to about 60% of its budget, which means that at the University of California, we support the day school education, but we don't the adult education. Let Somehow we think it's less important. Let me interrupt you for just a moment. I've been handed a sports bulletin from the KCBS Sports Bureau. San Francisco 3, St. Louis 2, we beat them. How about that, sports fans? SF3, St. Louis 2, and you'll get all the information on the news. Excuse me for interrupting you, sir, but I am sure that uh, the Giant fans want this much education as well. Uh, about this, uh, is the state of California, aside from the comments you made, do you, have, do you have any problems, governmentally speaking? Do you have uh, to beat your head against a legislative wall, do you think, to achieve what you're trying to do? In many instances, the legislature, with some exceptions, of course, have a conception of adult education as being a largely a remedial venture. It's to provide opportunities for education missed at an earlier age. And if you look at the total picture of adult education, you look at it as an opportunity for vocational improvement, for economic preparation, for a remedial kind of program, say somebody gets an elementary or high school diploma, for public responsibility education, citizenship education, and for liberal education. Well, then and that I think that as a society, we have to support all these levels of education if we're going to advance as a people. And especially, too, because uh, isn't it true that with the increasing technical requirements of many of the jobs that open up, it, it's just the name of the game that uh, more and more, uh, well, I hate to say specialized, but also general education is going to be necessary. Yeah. Now, the adult education movement is based on the belief that quite ordinary men and women have within themselves and their communities the spiritual intellectual resources adequate to the solution of their own problems. And through lack of knowledge and lack of leadership, these resources are often not mobilized or not directed in con constructive ways. And the primary task of adult education, therefore, is to awaken in people the possibilities, the tremendous resources that exist within themselves, and to help them through knowledge and leadership to, to be able to become better people, better citizens, better workers, better parents. I think it's this kind of a focus that's so important, and that I think that we will suffer seriously if we only focus upon the education of the young because we can't wait for the young to grow up, because our world may be destroyed by that time. Well, I want to thank you very much, Dr. London, for being with us today, and uh, hope that you have the greatest success in your plans and projects. This is Scott Beach at your service at KCBS and KCBS-FM in San Francisco. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Hey, Rob.
Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.